0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbas of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up.
1: Very glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today. And Jim, let's start with the good. Kevin McCarthy, the new Speaker of the House, had talked about this for a while. Some wondered whether he would actually do it, and he's actually doing it. I believe it still requires a a full vote in the House of Representatives. But Kevin McCarthy is refusing to seat both Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell on the House Intelligence Committee and for various and very good reasons. The press, of course, not happy about this because they love the Democrats and they think Adam Schiff's still a hero from the whole Russiagate thing. But it's exactly the Russiagate situation that Kevin McCarthy is citing for not seating Adam Schiff. And I think we all know (laughs) <laughs> bang, bang, why Eric Swalwell uh, is not going to be back on there. Uh, the press challenged McCarthy on that, and I think he handled it very well. Here's what he said.
0: The Intel Committee is different. You know why? Because what happens in the Intel Committee, you don't know. What happens in the Intel Committee, other the secrets are going on in the world, other members of Congress don't know. What did Adam Schiff do as the chairman of the intel committee? What Adam Schiff did, use his power as a chairman and lie to the American public. Even the inspector general said it. When Devin Nunes put out a memo, he said it was false. When we had a laptop, he used it before an election to read politics and say that it was false and said it was the Russians. When he knew different, when he knew the intel, if you talk to um, John Radcliffe, DNI, It goes to the National Security of America, and I will always put them first, all right? And if you want to talk about Swalwell, let's talk about Swalwell, because you have not had the briefing that I had. I had the briefing, and Nancy Pelosi had the briefing from the FBI. The FBI never came before this Congress to tell the leadership of this Congress that Eric Swalwell had a problem with a Chinese spy until he served on Intel. So it wasn't just us who were concerned about it, the FBI was concerned about putting a member of Congress on the intel committee that has the rights to see things that others don't because of his knowledge and relationship with a Chinese spy. They brought it to the works of the leaders. I've got that briefing, so I do not believe he should sit on there that committee. And I believe there's 200 other Democrats that can serve on that committee. Jim, some thought
1: he was going to be uh, kind of a wet noodle in terms of the, of the spine. And, you know, we're still early on. We'll see what happens in big issues like the debt ceiling and uh, appropriations and other big fights that come down the pike. But, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, people who are dangerous with classified information, and we'll talk about that a little bit more down the road, too, very reasonable decisions. And I think most Republicans, conservatives are going to like it.
2: Greg, this is one of those rare times where what is good politics and what is good policy, the Venn diagram is almost a circle, um, that this really overlaps a great deal. First on the politics of it, uh, look, the average American doesn't really care too much about whether Schiff and Swalwell continue to serve on the Intelligence Committee. Maybe during the peak of Russiagate, they could have picked out these guys out of a lineup, but by and large, they're not terribly well known. It's not like Republicans are saying, you know, Democrats don't get as many seats on the Intelligence Committee. They're just saying, no, these two guys have disqualified themselves. And I think they've got a pretty reasonable argument in that. Uh, This is the sort of move that is going to like, I I even kind of wonder how much House Democrats really want to have a fight over keeping Schiff and Swalwell. For at least two of them, they're going to end up on the committee because Schiff Swalwell will not be on it. And I kind of wonder how much they just feel like this is the sort of thing that is worth uh, expending political capital on. Uh, meanwhile, I do think the Republican grassroots, they definitely remember Adam Schiff and uh, Swalwell. Still seething, still angry at the two with good reason. Adam Schiff said many, many times that there was you know mountains of conclusive evidence that Trump was colluding with the Russians and, and cheating in the 2016 election and all that stuff. And he never did. And when you are on the intelligence committee, people believe with good reason that you can see things that they can't. And that means maybe you know things that they can't, which means if you're going to be on this committee, you have a really high obligation to not get out in front of your skis and not to assert things that are not proven to be true. Because otherwise you can you know, effectively be, ironically, a source of disinformation, a source of misinformation. And that's what happened with Schiff. With Swalwell, look, on Fox News a couple weekends ago, I made the joke about his effort to attempt Chinese intelligence. We'll just kind of leave it there. But let's just say, look, you can't be on the Intelligence Committee when you have something like that going on. But I, kind of the more policy or, or the you know less uh, who's going to win this fight angle, just kind of the question like, what do you want on a House Intelligence Committee? Well, you're getting access to see things that the average American can't. In fact, the average member of Congress can't and because of that i think you just need to be more responsible i think you need to be the kind of person who you know has proven to be trustworthy wise um not the kind of person who flies off the handle and i just think the house intelligence committee is probably not a good place for your typical partisan bomb thrower this is where you need the folks who are a little more thoughtful uh look when you're dealing with the intelligence committee you're dealing with a lot of information about foreigners who want to kill Americans. It doesn't get any more serious than that. And it's just the sort of thing that really shouldn't be used for the usual partisan food fights. If you want to argue certain Republicans in the past didn't necessarily belong, okay, we can have that discussion. But I I think Schiff and Swalwell, for two very different reasons, have demonstrated that they're exactly the kinds of guys who don't. And you probably want your calmest, maybe most low-profile, least flying off the handle, pounding the table, theatrical types on the House Intelligence Committee. And thus, I think this is a step, a big step in the right direction.
1: Yeah, if you're on Adam Schiff's mailing list right now, get ready for a ton of fundraising, probably from Swalwell too, uh, as uh, Schiff potentially gets ready to run for Senate here. Nobody is more scared of me than the Republicans. <laughs> then Katie Porter is going to have to come up with a reason why uh, Republicans hate her more as that primary uh, builds up if, in fact, Schiff decides to run. Uh, obviously, uh, some folks uh, see this as kind of a, a back and forth. Uh, of course, Pelosi famously refused to seat Jim Jordan, Jim Banks on the January 6th Commission, and that's when... Uh, Kevin McCarthy pulled all Republican appointees other than the ones that the Democrats wanted. Uh, and then uh, Democrats also uh, removed committee assignments for Paul Gosar and uh, Marjorie Taylor Green. And so uh, the, the goal here isn't to uh, kind of play tennis with stripping committee assignments. I think McCarthy's got a good explanation here uh, that if people are a threat to have access to this information, they shouldn't. You got to have people you can trust in those positions and Swalwell due to his uh, curious decision making over the years. And as you mentioned, shift not telling the truth about the, the Russia investigation, make them ineligible. And I think that's fine. All right. On to our great sponsor for the day. And that's Cozy Earth. I think Kevin McCarthy is going to sleep just fine at night. And if you want to sleep well, I'm telling you, there's nothing better than Cozy Earth bedding. My wife has said over and over again since we've had the chance to uh use the Cozy Earth sheets, these are the best sheets we've ever had. And you're thinking, "Wait a minute, didn't you guys used to advertise other sheets?" Yeah, we did. She likes these better. And uh over 5,000 customers have left five-star reviews on their website. I can't recommend Cozy Earth bedding enough. Cozy Earth bedding
2: is made using only the finest premium viscose from highly sustainable bamboo. It's no wonder that top designers choose Cozy Earth their bedding is naturally temperature-regulating, so you'll sleep comfy all year round. It's also the brand that made
1: Oprah's favorite things five years in a row, which speaks volumes. They've also got loungewear, pajamas, the bath collection. You'll love shopping at Cozy Earth, and now you can save 35% right now on Cozy Earth. Hurry, though, this New Year's offer ends soon, so go to CozyEarth.com martini, and be sure to enter martini at checkout to save 35%. That's CozyEarth.com martini. All right, Jim, on to our bad martini now, and uh, George Santos is still in the headlines, and uh, each day it seems like there's one other thing uh, that they find that uh, he said that was incorrect. Uh, lately, it's about uh, where he got a loan to fund his campaign, now then there was the whole drag queen back and forth about his time in Brazil. We've talked before about whether that's his real name and his education, whether he's an all-star volleyball player. and where he worked, and on and on and on. And now, uh, uh, you know, people are obviously poking fun at George Santos in a number of different ways. Uh, John Lovitz, the famous Saturday Night Live comedian, went on The Tonight Show uh, not that long ago and uh, had some good lines about him, including this.
0: You said on your resume that you worked for Goldman Sachs, and that is just not true. No, all right, fine, all right. That, no, that is the truth is I did not
1: work for Goldman Sachs. I am Goldman Sachs. (laughs) George Santos, not laughing, though. Uh, He says, I have been enshrined in late night TV history with all these impersonations, but they are all terrible, all caps. So far, John Lovitz is supposed to be one of the greatest comedians of all time, and that was embarrassing for him, not me. These comedians need to step their game up. Well, our favorite comedian on Capitol Hill, of course, is Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana, who told Manu Raju, quote, speaking of Santos, he's nutty as a fruitcake. That's why I called him a bunny boiler. I don't know if you've seen Fatal Attraction, but there are people like that out there. Leading Santos to tweet, I am saddened that a distinguished senator from the GOP whom I've respected would use such derogatory language against me. Language like that is hurtful and divisive and has no place in Congress. So, Jim, the soap opera keeps turning in, uh, on Capitol Hill. They are staking out his office probably as much as the speaker's office right now. And... Uh, George Santos obviously uh, focused on John Lovitz and John Kennedy as opposed to uh, maybe his job at this point. Who knows?
2: Oh, come off it, con artist. (laughs) George Santos leaves a trail of slime everywhere he goes. He allegedly scammed money he was supposed to save a dog from cancer, from a veteran. Um, Look, so I write in today's Morning Jolt about how Santos, maybe you can make an argument that he's kind of serving as a lightning rod for House Republicans right now, that there's so much attention on George Santos and his you know, I, I think unforgivable, unacceptable, pathological lying. Uh, that you know, there's very little scrutiny of everything else the House Republicans are doing, and so I could I could see why Kevin McCarthy might look at this and say, "Yeah, I'm going to let this play out. Uh, I'm not going to you know forgive him, or I'm not going to say what he's doing is okay, but I'll just let the process run. And as long as people are screaming about George Santos, nobody's screaming that I'm the devil, et cetera, et cetera." Um, and I, I can see the logic of that. But when this whole, whole thing came out, I remember thinking there was one way George Santos could survive all this. It was if he just dove into the job of being a congressman and just did his job the best he could and dedicated himself to constituent service. And then maybe after a while, people would like, yeah, that lying stuff was weird, but he really did a good job of, you know, uh, helping my grandmother with her social security check that wasn't uh, arriving or veterans benefits. So, you know, if The more you pour yourself into doing the job, the more people would just kind of get used to it, it would recede into the rear view mirror. And maybe there's a chance that the Republicans and voters in his district would say, "Eh, he's doing a good job. Let's keep him there. I don't think as far as based on his behavior, I don't think George Santos wants to do that because that's hard. That requires work. And that, just, that that's the sort of thing that doesn't get you a lot of attention. We had a similar experience with Madison Cawthorn last year. Instead, I think George Santos just loves being the center of attention. And when, you know, John Lovitz, who, by the way, is hilarious and was the originator of the original, I think it was Tommy Flanagel, the, the pathological liar character, <laughs> and my wife, Morgan Fairchild, who I've slept with, you know, um, that he's the perfect choice. And he's hilarious because it's basically this is his character from the 80s come to life in, in real life. So you're sitting around whining about Lovitz or or John Kennedy Do your work. Do your job. You don't get to hold the high road on anybody else. You don't get to cast judgment on anybody else. So it it really is just kind of he's getting insufferable. If again, if he was interested in doing the job, if you say, well, nothing's going to stop me from focusing on my constituents, then focus on your constituents. Don't spend time whining about how everyone's being mean to you. You know, you wonder at some point, by the way, I think I'm starting to wonder if Santos believes his lies. Uh, he really has reached a point where he can't distinguish between fantasy and reality. One more reason why ugh, there's got to be somebody else in this district who can do a better job representing the voters. We'll see how this shakes out. But just, you know, ple- uh, do us that small favor, George Santros, of stop playing the victim and how you're the one who's being wronged in all of this. Uh, you've earned this criticism.
1: You've earned this mockery.
2: Just shut up and do your job and, you
1: know, you know, make the best of the circumstance you're in. Given that we didn't know his name or might not know his name, and there's been some discussion about that, that was one of the things that scared me and and, and who he might really be and whether he ought to stay. That question came up also to Kevin McCarthy saying, do you have a double standard here about uh, George Santos and all the lies he's told in response to everything about Adam Schiff? And uh, McCarthy says, well, George Santos is not on the Intelligence Committee or any of these other sensitive committees. He's on the Science Committee and the Small Business Committee. And so therefore, McCarthy suggesting, you know, if, if he is somebody completely different than he claims to be which uh on some level he obviously is uh the damage he can do here is is minimal and he was after all voted in by the voters uh despite uh, obviously a lot of lies about who he actually was and when he was presenting himself to voters so what do you make of uh, mccarthy's explanation
2: look i think it makes perfect sense because if you're going to put him on any two committees why not pick santos who's made a science out of scamming small businesses
1: <laughs> we'll be right back with the crazy martini The Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski. Every day, Chris helps unpack the connection between politics and the economy and how it affects your wallet and your 401k. With the stock market so volatile these days, is it smart to make a prediction? In 2022, all of the market predictions were way off. If you want to invest your hard-earned money, don't make a prediction on your own. It will lead to some painful consequences. What should you do? Whether it's happening in D.C. or down on Wall Street, it's affecting you financially. Be
0: informed. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, Jim, on to our crazy martini now. And it started with the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. Then the uh, Joe Biden site after site uh, boxes of documents, some classified at the Penn Biden Center, Uh, then his garage, then inside the house. Some people wondering whether the beach house is next. Randy McCarthy, your colleague at National Review, doing a good job of pointing out that Biden didn't actually cooperate here. He actually got caught. If he had uh, wanted to uh, be fully upright, he would have reported it to the uh, Justice Department. But that didn't happen. It was the uh, uh, inspector general over at the National Archives. Nonetheless, we have another one. This broke yesterday, and that's former Vice President Mike Pence, who uh, in a series of interviews last year, and especially after the raid at Mar-a-Lago, uh, saying, I, I don't think I've got any classified uh, documents at my house. Yeah, I shouldn't. And to my knowledge, I don't. But apparently, in response to all this, uh, he had his papers searched and the FBI agents went to his house last week. And uh, turns out he does have some papers. I have no idea how many or how sensitive they are or what they pertain to or In the end, whether he knew about it, but uh, Jim, I don't know exactly how this is going to play out, whether every former president and vice president who are living are going to have agents knocking on their door now, but uh, either this portends to the argument that way too much stuff is classified, or a lot of these people are a lot sloppier and a lot less holier than than (laughs) than they portrayed themselves to be uh, before these stories started breaking. So uh, how do you uh, fit the Pence story into this whole saga?
2: Well, Greg, actually, if you look back at that Penn's interview, he's pretty, I don't know if adamant is the right word, but I I affirm, you know, that he did not take any documents with him. Obviously, he or somebody on his staff did. Uh, It's certainly, there's no indication that this was deliberate, but I do wonder after the Mar-a-Lago event and after Joe Biden went on 60 Minutes and said, how could anyone be so irresponsible? I wonder how many former presidents, vice presidents, or other folks who had access to classified information and who had presidential libraries, Private offices like Biden at the Biden Pence Center, things like that. How many of them are like, Are you sure we didn't get any in there? Are we 100%? percent You know, but we'd better get start looking through there. Because once again, this was one of Pence's personal lawyers, who <clears throat> happens to be covered by attorney-client privilege, just like Biden's lawyer did, uh, going through and lo and behold, they found it. And they they were pretty open. They said, Yeah, we we looked through this after we saw the reports about Biden. And you got to start wondering. Are Bill Clinton's lawyers going through this? Are George W. Bush – apparently George W. Bush said he didn't, but you kind of wonder, Is it? would it be good for every former president, vice president, and official who had access to classified information? Should all of them take a weekend or a couple of days and say, okay, we're going through all the papers, we're double-checking to make sure we didn't take any? Because apparently this doesn't seem all that uncommon. Does any of this get Trump off the hook? I don't think entirely. I think you can point to differences. But at the same time, it does seem like taking classified documents uh, out of a federal facility to your private residence as as former president or former vice president. Well, it does sound like that sort of thing happens all the time. And it would be very strange to pursue criminal charges in one case, but to say, ah, no big deal in all the other cases. The other thing I kind of wonder about here, uh, there was a good piece in CNN by someone who had handled the presidential daily briefing and they made the observation that look, classified information, uh, there are two ways you you can you know you can have it as paper or you can send it electronically through a secure form. I as I understand it, uh, President Obama used to get the PDB on a tablet or or some sort of you know electronic style device, and that of course doesn't generate any paper that you can take with you, and I hopefully is always kept on some secure government server, et cetera, et cetera. The and so they made the this uh, this former intelligence official had kind of going through and said, well. One of the reasons you keep seeing papers getting mixed up with other people's you know, personal papers is because there's so much paper. And we wouldn't have to do this if we had more, if, if the presidents, vice presidents, and the people who were getting these briefings didn't want them in paper document form and were comfortable with them in electronic files, PDFs, emails, stuff like that. Of course, this does create the question of like Hillary Clinton and her server, but that's a whole separate discussion. And uh, you, know, you think back, Greg, you look at how many of our presidents have been <clears throat> getting up there in years none older than the current president, Joe Biden. You know, you kind of wonder, is some of this the fact that we keep electing really old guys who don't know how to use computers and electronics and stuff? <laughs> I mean, to the, Trump knew how to use his phone to use a computer, but that was mostly just to, you know, rant on Twitter.
1: <laughs> so you're saying if we start getting some Gen Xers uh, in there, we're going to have a, a little more digital Wouldn't action hurt, instead of... <laughs>
2: you know, you're, you're never going to have a paperless Oval Office, but you'll probably have less paper
1: in it if you have somebody who was born say, eh, you know... After 1965? Is it too much to ask? Can't wait for the FBI raid on 98-year-old Jimmy Carter or, uh, you know, uh, Dan Quayle. I mean, I have to imagine that between 2001 and 2009, uh, Dick Cheney was probably up to his elbows in classified documents on a daily basis. So uh, if a couple of those slipped into his papers, I wouldn't be shocked either. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if everybody's uh, oh. racing to the racing to the closet or, or what's going to happen now. Greg, if that were the case, I'm sure some congresswoman from Wyoming would investigate him. <laughs> The current one probably would. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's <laughs> probably right. Oh, man. All right. Well, we'll see who's next. you right. are getting a little nervous among presidents and vice presidents these days. Jim, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Also, uh, remember to subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Tell a friend about us as well. We'd love to have them along. Uh, Thanks for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. They're a huge help to us. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a terrific Wednesday and join us again on Thursday for the next three martini lunch.